Hey everybody, welcome to the Mid-Major Madness Podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. We don't have the usual crew with us today. Instead, we're going to be talking to a special guest. It is the head coach of the Illinois State Redbirds, Dan Muller. The Redbirds are on track to be one of the top teams in the Missouri Valley Conference this coming season. They return each of their top four scorers from last year, including three players who Muller refers to as three of the best returning players in the Valley. That is Phil Fade, Malik Yarbrough, and Keyshawn Evans. So it seemed like as good a time as any to catch up with him, talk to him about the team that he has coming back, expectations for the coming season, the daunting schedule he's put together, as well as get some of his thoughts on the changes to college basketball um, outlined by or proposed by the Rice Commission. Now, of course, this was recorded around the same time that news was breaking that the NCAA had instituted several new rule changes. You can read about them more on our site. Uh, but because this was happening at the same time that the interview was being recorded, we did not get into it here. I can promise you we will have some more analysis on that in the coming days. But for now, uh, enjoy our conversation with Dan Muller. I just want to start by asking you how your summer's going. If you could just catch us up on what's going on uh, around the team, I guess, since the season ended. Yeah, summer's been good. You know, we've had a little bit of small injuries here and there. Guys have missed a little bit of time, but nothing that's going to filter into the uh, season or even the preseason here. Um, but we've got a, a group that's mature and have a lot of experience, got enough new faces where there's some learning involved, got some transfers that are sitting out and have Division One experience. But uh, I like the work ethic that we've shown, the maturity level that we've shown, and we have enough guys who understand how we do things in our culture and the way that um, we work and what I expect to where there's been some good leadership too. So I think we've had a good summer. I think we're in position right now if we continue to get better to uh, have the season that we want. You mentioned the uh, the culture. What's the Illinois State basketball culture? Our culture comes down to just a, a few things, okay? We, uh, on the court, we believe in being great teammates at all times, competing at a high level, um, having energy and accountability, uh, and having a, a player-led team as opposed to me being a leader at all times or the coaches. Um, and then off the court, we, our culture is respecting people, uh, treating everybody with respect, uh, representing the program the right way and protecting each other and, and the program and really just uh, improving, you know, we're big on helping our guys just get better at everything, on the court, off the court, responsibility-wise, academically, and just kind of a culture of improvement. Right, and who are those uh, those guys that you lean on for that leadership uh, that, that you mentioned? Well, Phil Fain's been our you know, best leader uh, last year and through the summer. Um, he would be, the, you know, when we lost, not this past season, but the season before, we lost Paris Lee and Tony Wills, Bacom McIntosh, Deontay Hawkins. You know, those guys all graduated, and, and those guys were our, clearly our leaders for a couple of years. And so there was a bit of a void last year, and it took a little bit of time for some guys to get comfortable. But Phil Fain, 
uh, most consistent leader, tough to toughness, energy, you know, all about the team. Malik Yarborough has really stepped up. You know, Malik was our quote-unquote best player last year, but wasn't really in a leadership position, um, wasn't really ready for that, wasn't consistent enough, but he's had a terrific summer and stepped up as a guy who has shown some some very good leadership this summer. So right now I would say Phil and Malik uh, have, have been our most consistent um, leaders and guys that our, our younger players and our new players look to. Uh, you know, you've got obviously Phil and Malik coming back. You've got Keyshawn Evans. You, you return mm-hmm. your top four scores from last year. What's the mood like around the team? What are the expectations? I know people kind of from the outside expect you guys to be really, really good. Uh, what about within? What, what do you see for the program this year? Yeah, from the inside, we expect to be really, really good also. Um, we, you know, the one thing you can't control at times is injuries, you know, and that's mm-hmm. going to, injuries can affect any team. But uh, with the team that we have, um, the experience, the depth of positions, we expect to have a special season. And uh, certainly we're, we're, we want to compete for a Missouri Valley Championship. And it's been proven if you can win our league, or if you're really one of the best couple teams in our league, if if we'd have opportunities that we have a lot of success in the postseason and can, and can compete nationally. So um, we have high expectations, and I think that we have, again, the depth and the personnel and the experience to uh, to have a special season. Do, do you expect this to be your, your best team uh, at, at Illinois State? I think this could certainly be our best team. If you look at talent-wise, um, I think, you know, two years ago we had a, a great team. You know, we won the league, um, obviously lost the Wichita State championship game and one of the first teams out and had a lot of talent. Um, I think this team has as much talent and yet more depth. And so um, if we can – now that team, which – we had a, Really, really good team four years ago also. Really good team. But if if this current team can be as consistent, committed to the defensive end, um, and mature as that team was, then I do think this will be our best team we've had. Yeah, and, you know, every team that you've had um, for as long as you've been here has been competitive. I'm yeah. never finished below 500. What's it meant? For you as a coach to be able to come back to where you played uh, as a student and and build this program, you know, even stronger than it was before. Well, there's a lot of pride. I mean, I love this program. I mean, as you just said, it. I played here and we had a lot of success under Kevin Stallings and some of my best friends in life and my former teammates. Um, and I've got a lot of pride in this program. Um, you couple that with, of course, now I'm in charge of the success of the program. And, you know, I am proud that we've, you know, through our last four years, we've gotten to the championship game. We've finished in the top, I think, the top three the last four years. We've been the best team for one of the years, second. And, you know, so we're right there. Um, I think if you have consistent success and consistent high-level teams, then eventually you're going to break through. And, and hopefully this is the year to do that. But um, we have goals to win our league. We've done that once. We finished second. We've finished third. We've, we've been there, you know, on that Sunday in March and uh, haven't gotten a win yet. But um, I, I just think this team 
can do that. And um, it's all about the players and the fans. So I, I want to do it for these players, this this senior group, of course, of Phil Fane, Malik Yarborough, Keyshawn Evans, and William Timsey. As you just said, those are our four returning leading scorers. Those are our four seniors. I just really, 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 really want to have a special year for those guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, th- those are guys that I guess Missouri Valley fans, Illinois State fans know pretty well, but maybe guys who haven't had the chance to play on the national stage quite as much. What do you expect to see from those four guys as far as developing and improving their game so that you guys can take that next step? Yeah, the development, each individual, of course, they have different things that they've been working on throughout the summer. And, you know, one thing we do take pride in here at Illinois State is is improvement. I think if you look at our guys, of their careers, they consistently get better. And, of course, that's how you sustain success is that you have players you bring in and you help them improve. So I expect all four of those guys to be better, uh, more consistent. You know, I think they're four of the best players in our league. Um, you know, where are they ranked in the league? I don't know, but I do think they're four of the best players in our league. And if they can show that senior sense of urgency, you know, that I believe almost all great teams have at our level, you know, it, it, you can certainly do it with younger players um, in other conferences, but I think at our level, the teams that have special years in general have seniors who play like seniors, as we say. So they've got to lead us on the court. They've got to lead us off the court. They've got to lead us in effort and toughness and energy. Um, they've got to lead us in big plays and making plays at the end of games. Um, but I, I, I'm, I, I sleep pretty, pretty well knowing I've got those four guys on my team and, and leading this group. Yeah, and th- those are obviously the guys who are going to lead off pretty much every conversation uh, mm-hmm. About your team, but what what about some of those uh, some of the other guys? You mentioned you've got some newcomers. Who, who are the ones we should be keeping an eye on, or maybe the guys who played in you know a, a smaller role in previous years that are going to need to step up as well? You know, it's always tough at this time of the year to predict some of those things. Uh, but I will tell you, Zach, Zach Copeland, the kid who sat out last semester as a junior college uh, transfer, we actually signed him and. Um, he couldn't play last year, so he was in practice last semester, and, and certainly has a chance to have a significant impact on our team. Six-four scoring guard out of California, out of San, uh, San Francisco City College. You know, Matt Chastain is another transfer who sat out last year. He's had a lot of uh, knee injuries, and health-wise, if he's healthy, um, he's going to help us a lot. Uh, so those are two guys that were in our program last year that did not play. And then you return Matt Hine, who had some really good games, and Taylor Berninga, who as a freshman had some really good games, and Isaac Gassman had some really good games. And then we've added uh, freshman and Ray Idawu, and um, you've got a little bit of mix of, of everything. Josh Jefferson, the last uh, new player who's eligible this year, uh, he's a uh, – Kind of six two scoring guard, junior college guard. So I just think we have depth. We have a lot of guys that can play multiple positions. But um those two guys who sat out last year were, were really good players in practice, Matt Chastain and Zach Copeland. So I if both those guys are healthy, I do think they'll impact our team significantly. Yeah, and you know, I, I know that you expect the team to very be very good players, I'm sure, do too, and, and with good reason. And, you know, looking at the schedule that you guys put together, 
uh, it seems like you're going to have to be good pretty much right away because you've got – you open up against Gulf Coast, then you play at Belmont. I mean, perennially, those are two really good teams. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you play Georgia, you play BYU, you play San Diego State, Ole Miss, at UCF. Uh, how, how did you end up putting the schedules together, and how do you try to make a schedule that's going to challenge your team but maybe not demoralize them if you take a couple of losses? Yeah, we've been pretty aggressive. You know, four years ago we had the seventh toughest non-conference strength of schedule in the country. Last year we had the top 15 non-conference strength of schedule in the country. And last year's schedule was too hard for my team. And I kind of knew that, but I I'd scheduled those games so they we'd grow up. You know, I didn't think mm-hmm. we'd have we were good enough to be an at-large bid team, and so I didn't mind taking some losses. But it also set us up to have BYU return here this this year, Florida Gulf Coast return here this year, Ole Miss return here this year, and so it's kind of a two-year process, knowing that I, well, not knowing, but thinking that I had a team this year that could be special. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we've had great. Um, home and home series. I mean we played Dayton and BCU and St. Joe's and Tulsa. I mean we've always been very aggressive with with scheduling. We've played at Kentucky, we've played at Louisville. This year it just happens that I've we've got some home games, you know, three or four home games that are pretty high mm-hmm. level, which is unique in our league. So it, we we don't I mean we gotta be good. You said you could, we we might have to be good to start the season. We've got to be really good on November 6th, Yeah. period. And then, as you said, we go to Belmont on the 10th. We ha- we can't wait into the season. You know, our, our margin for error for an at-large bid in this league is so slim, right? And we've mm-hmm. got a schedule that if we perform well enough, I think we have a chance for it. But we, we can't – you can't make mistakes at this level um, to have a chance. So – um, I think our players know that. They saw that two years ago, too. A lot of these guys were on the team or sitting out when we were the last team out, you know, and, and we had a non, we had three non-conference losses. Um, if we just w- lose two instead of three, we'd probably get in the tournament. So I, I do think that helps this team understand the importance of getting off to a great start. Right. And I know you've, you've been vocal in, in the past about how difficult – it is to get an at-large bid from your position and how scheduling um, can help you do that. What, what do you have to try to keep in mind when putting a schedule together if you are going to try to compete for an at-large bid? Well, it comes down to analytics now. You know, they look at right. a lot of numbers, um, and you've got to get quality games, which is very difficult to do. Um, you know, you could go out and get bought like a – Texas Southern does, you know, they're famous mm-hmm. for playing 12 games in a row on the road at every top 25 team in the country. Yeah, you can get a whole bunch of quality games that way. But um, to get home and homes, to get in high-level tournaments that we try to get into, um, to play a, a game on the road and, and maybe get bought every once in a while if you think it helps, all those things go into it. Um, but like you said, you've got to – try to make it to where your team doesn't lose confidence either. You know, again, I right. I said this, but three years ago we had a, a top ten strength of schedule on conference, and my team did lose confidence. And then we played the number one team in the country, the number two team in the country, back-to-back, Maryland and Kentucky. We played at St. Joe's. We played at, at – I mean, we played a high-level high schedule. And I do think it hurt our team um, in the non-conference. And I think it hurt – it helped our team in the conference. So there's a balance – 
you know, I, I don't I don't just schedule games to rack up wins for my record. I could care less about that. That is the way that some coaches do it. I'm more about um, helping my team, preparing my team, and and again, hopefully having a chance for that large bid if we're good enough. And you can only do that with a quality schedule. Right. Right. And w- one of the games on your schedule this year, you, you mentioned it. You have Ole Miss uh, returning that game um, from last year, and that is the game that came about from the uh, the Bitmoji tweet, right? Yeah. yeah correct. How can you just take us through how that? came about was it really just that as organic as that as you tweeting that you wanted a home and home and Ole Miss responding it was it was that in addition to one other very significant factor um so Tory Ward who was my associate head coach who tragically died in a plane crash over three years ago now was a longtime assistant at Ole Miss Randy Kennedy and so I tweeted that out and they absolutely responded. Their AD Ross Bjork responded, and uh, I've known AK for a long, Andy Kennedy for a long time. Um, even when he was at Ole Miss, I was at Vanderbilt, and then through Tory. And so a lot of that had to do with AK wanting to get us back down there to honor Tory, which we did before the game. His family came over. It was a it was a wonderful and appreciate, appreciated celebration for Tory, but that was done through the social media so it'll be social media night here at Illinois State that night we'll do a whole bunch of oh. um, but yeah we went back and forth through Twitter I gave AK a call and uh, we had the game scheduled once we found a date within a week and a half so it's a uh, we're very appreciative look I'm 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 realistic I know that for Ole Miss to do that and then I want to say this too you know Kermit Davis when he got the job, could have very easily bought us out, which when you do a home-and-home in a contract, there's always a buyout, right? Um, he could have easily said, I don't want to go to Illinois State. I didn't schedule that game. I'm going to buy you out. And he did not. And and so that is huge because I do think that seven out of ten new coaches would have. But the fact that he's dealt with these issues for so long, and I saw him on the road and I thanked him, and he, he said, look, I've been dealing with that. I, I wasn't going to do that. So it, it all goes together, but yeah, that was done through that tweet, and um, I appreciate it. And we're still hoping and waiting we can get some more uh, quality, quality home and homes with some of the uh, Power Five teams. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope you can too. And I, I've always thought that those, you know, those games—they're not always just trap games for the Power Five teams. I mean, if you, you know, if you play Ole Miss, say Ole Miss wins that game, that's going to be a good win for them too. If they beat us at home this year, it'll be a great win for them. Exactly. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you see it every once in a while. I think Alabama is doing one with Stephen F. Austin. I saw that about a month ago. So you see teams extend themselves, which is great. And I get it. I was at Vanderbilt for 12 years, so I understand why you would not. I don't blame any head coach for not doing what's best for their program. But as I've always said, the committee needs to understand the challenges when they expect us to play these games and they're literally almost impossible to get. And so that, right. that's always been the issue for me. Right. And and is that why you've looked to schools like Belmont, Florida Gulf Coast, mm-hmm. schools that are in similar situations that you know are going to be pretty good? Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, Murray State, um, we played them last year. Yep. Um, again, like I just said, we've done home homes with St. Joe's and BCU. 
um, Tulsa, um, Dayton. And so, yeah, I, I try to I, – I, we call – scheduling is very complicated, very difficult in some ways, and yet so important. And um, I want to play teams that are going to be some of the best teams in their league. Um, and so that's what we tried to do. All right. So, you know, we know scheduling is a challenge at your level. So, you know, recruiting can be as well. And with all of the changes that have been proposed in in recent weeks, there's talk that some coaches, you know, aren't a big fan of them, uh, could hurt mid-major teams the way that uh, the NCAA is hoping to do things in the future. What, what are your thoughts on the changes that the Rice Commission uh, presented? Well, first of all, I want to wait and see where it all pans out, you know, and, and see what combination of AAU and camps and USA basketball and NCAA and high school. Um, that's the final proposal to see if it gets passed. Um, I, I do really like the fact that we may be able to get back into high schools in June. I, mm-hmm. I do like that. Um, I am a huge proponent of AAU basketball. I think there's so much good that comes out of it. And if it's managed the cor- correctly, I think we can reduce some of the issues we have, although you can never eliminate them. That's not how life works. But there's so much value. I mean, we see, I can tell you at Illinois State, um, I would I would predict that 80%, maybe that's too high, 70 to 80% of the kids that we end up recruiting and signing are kids that we find and see through AAU and guys that we would not have seen. I mean, I've got three California kids on my team. I've got four kids who played high school basketball in Florida. Um, I'm not going to find those guys unless I see them in AAU tournaments. Just happen to stumble upon them, not me, my assistants usually. So I'm hopeful that we still have significant opportunities to go watch AAU basketball. We will in April, so that will happen, um, I believe. July, of course, is the big question. And yet I'll say this. Whatever they decide to do, it's our job to figure out how to manage it and how to still win games. And so right. we're all going to have the same rules. Does it hurt mid-majors more than high-majors? Hey, look, I was recruiting a kid. I'm not going to name the name. And, and he loved us and was going to visit us. And, and, and I felt like he could be a program changer for us. Well, through AAU basketball, he blew up and just recently committed to uh, probably a preseason top five team in the country. And so it goes both ways, positive and negative. And I'm happy for him. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, I want every kid to end up where they want to. But I, I don't specifically think that it hurts one level more than the other, other than the budget of being able to go watch a whole bunch of kids at the same time. That's right. really the biggest difference, in my opinion, of, of how it will hurt one level more than the next. Right. Well, if if you were in charge, what changes mm-hmm. would you make uh, to try to clean up recruiting a little bit? How, how long you got? <laughs> <laughs> as, long, as long as you want. No, I'm just kidding. I think the NCAA, I, I really do believe this. I think the NCAA does, does a terrific job. Unfortunately, in society, not just in the NCAA rules and regulations, but in every single regulatory uh, facet of life, whether it's federal laws, state laws, business regulations, you have to make rules for the worst of the group, right? You have to make rules for the people who um, try to break rules or do things that hurt kids or what have you. And so that's just the case. Um, As far as recruiting AAU, 
I, I again, I would keep um, two weekends in, of AAU or two long weekends instead of three. And if you want to add a, a, a camp in there to the NCAA, USA basketball, that's fine. I do think the logistics of those camps, um, I, I can't imagine being the person trying to figure out all those things. Um, but I, I would keep multiple weeks slash weekends of AU in July, keep April, and allow us to go watch high school, a little bit of high school in June. All right, that, uh, that makes sense. Uh, the, the last thing I, I like to ask coaches this um, kind of at the end is if, if someone's listening who has never watched Illinois State play, doesn't know anything about the team, and they're going to tune into a game, maybe that Gulf Coast game, to open up the season, what do you want them to come away knowing about your team after that game? Yeah, we, we talk about this with our players a lot. Like, okay, when, when – kind of the same question if somebody came to watch us play or practice for the very first time you know what are they going to go away saying and i'm not trying to use cliches or just be generic here but i really hope that people would say that team plays unbelievably hard Um, they share the ball and they play together they really like each other and then what they would see is a good amount of athleticism guys you can play all that i think a number of high level players but again, the, the most important thing is, man, that team plays together and they compete at a high level. Um, you say that about my team with the talent that we have, and I think we'll be pretty darn good. All right. Uh, any, anything else you want to add to anyone who might be listening? The Valley is a heck of a conference. So I, I check agree us with out. That. We 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 win games in in March all the time. And uh, hopefully we get more opportunities. But I, I do think our league this year could be the best it's been since I've been here in my seven years. I, I really do. And I'm not just I'm not just saying that. We've got three or four high level teams. Um, we've got some new coaches who might have some roster issues in the, at the bottom. But um, this this league's going to be really good this year. Yeah, I mean you've got obviously Loyola coming off of the Final Four. Yep. Uh, you guys are going to be picked at or close to the top. Who who else should we be looking out for? Well, you you never want to underestimate anybody, but just with guys returning. Southern Illinois returns everybody but one, and they return Keith Bowl, who sat out last year, who's an all-conference player. You know, Bradley returns basically everybody but one player. Um, So I, I would say the four Illinois schools, actually, as far as guys that I know returning, on paper, should all be high level. That doesn't mean that somebody else won't jump up because guys sitting out, junior college players. I mean, you just have impact guys in this league. But I would, I would, I would bet that all four of us, Bradley, us, Southern Illinois, and Loyola, will be pretty darn good, if not great, this year. Um, and again, there will be other teams that that are better than expected, you know, based on last year's performance. All right. Well, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to the season. I can't wait for the. Uh for the summer to end here. I'm sure you're looking forward to it, too. So thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. You got it, Russell. Thanks. Anytime.